Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 69 and we're just about to 70 and it's the summer of 69 or the spring of 2018 and we're just about to 70, man. How's it going, Brendan? Yeah, good. It's going uh, pretty good. Pretty decent? All things all things considered. Holy, no kidding. So, uh, Brendan joins me from his home right now, and I'm doing it from my desk, and this podcast is coming a little late as my son has strep throat. Brendan couldn't come the day we planned on recording it, so we tried Tuesdays, like, no, not yet. And here we are, Thursday morning, no, Wednesday morning recording it. So, sorry for a couple days late on this one. We only had five days since our last podcast, so it's not terrible for you guys, but it's still horrible. We want all these things out on Monday, so... We're going to yeah. get there. We're going to get there. And we've got some great content coming up that's going to be a lot of fun out in Death Valley because we're going there this Friday. Yes. Yes, that's going to be a good trip. I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, it is. So this is going to be a bit of a classic photog adventure between Brendan and I and a misadventure as well. So why don't we start off with Brendan telling us where we went and what the place is. So we, when we did for our first workshop back last year in October, was September. it? September. September. It was my birthday, um, I remember. Oh, it was a yes, stressful, yes. So, busy birthday, but it was fun. So on our first night, we lucked out with the Milky Way being great at our first couple locations. And then we thought, okay, well, the night that we were actually supposed to go out and do Milky Way shooting, let's take him to a place that we hadn't been to yet that we knew was going to be kind of cool. So we went out there to – took our whole group out there and went to this place called the Wedge Overlook. Mm, the Wedge. The, it's called the Mini Grand Canyon. And uh, of Utah, or you know, the Mini Grand Canyon. It's like the the silent, the the forgotten third child Grand Canyon, Mini Grand Canyon of Utah. Yeah, I mean, it looks so much like um, other cool canyons, and and when you go down inside, like we did last, you know, that a couple Saturdays ago with Dan. Yeah. And Dan Linhart was awesome enough to come pick us up, and we all went down there to go scout it out and go see, get down in there and really see what it's like, and yeah. it was just amazing. And he was nice enough to pick you up, even though you were on death's door that morning. Yeah, I was really sick the day before. I felt a little bit better that next day. I just kept pumping up, like, you know, like the emergency uh, stuff. I drank, like, two of those that day, and uh, I just downed as many vitamins as I humanly possibly could without puking <laughs> and just recola all day long because my th- throat was sore, and uh, it was just I was just a mess, but... Um, I barely made it that day. I had, a, I still had a lot of fun, and then the next day I was a, just wiped out. I mean that that was not smart for me to do health wise, but I loved like every minute of it. So, so you didn't know about the wedge. You're from Arizona, and honestly, mm-hmm. I only know about the wedge because my father in law has driven me out there a couple times and said, "Here's the wedge," and it was just this off the road area. If you know Utah and you're coming south from Salt Lake and you go to Price. On your way to Moab, basically. On your way to Moab, you see hit Price. Before you continue on with Price, you can head directly south on these dirt roads past mm. places like Castledale and Cleveland. I mean, you won't really go into Castledale, but you will go through a place called Cleveland. And this road takes yeah. you out, and it just kind of goes.
goes up and swells up on the San Rafael swell and gets to the point where all of a sudden these fissures and giant cracks and canyons exist. And it is, it's tremendous. It's completely hidden. There are people here in Utah like Dan who had never been out here until we took him out there in the workshop last year. Right, right. And then, I mean, you look on the map and it's obvious that there's this cool other area above Moab but right. there's no major roads out there, and so, and even though it's it's a dirt road, I was surprised at how well maintained it was. Oh right, it's and perfect. how smooth it was. It's just a graded, perfect flat road. Unless there's yeah. a monsoon going on, I bet that thing is just easy going every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a little bit of snow on one side that we went through, a little bit of mud because the snow apparently was still like permafrost on one side of the shadow, oh, the, the shadow side, which was really interesting. <laughs> and that was on the road as we were going in. And we also noticed that, you know, as we were hiking a little bit too. But um, that was uh, that was pretty cool to, to see that the sunny side was really nice and warm and perfect, even though it was like in the shade, still cold enough to keep the frost and the ice like frozen. Really crazy, interesting. Yeah, and with the warm weather we're having and how great it felt, it's, the day was just so fantastic. The weather was great, and it felt like you know summer was starting and that spring mm. was just ending, and yet really it's February, and we can't believe. Actually, was it January when we went? It was February still, right? No, it was right? February. It was February by then. So Barely, this area, yeah. the Wedge Overlook is a beautiful vista, photography aplenty up there, but then if you kept going past it and then drove your way in to the actual wash, the Buckhorn Wash side, then you can go into the canyon and start going through all of this terrain and seeing it from down below. And uh, it is it was a really fun scouting trip for us to go through there. There are pictographs from ancient, um, mm-hmm. oh, what were those people called? They were called something with a B, weren't they? Mm, uh, I don't know. I don't remember. They're these people that have filled in some wall space with pictographs and mm-hmm. some petroglyphs. And so they carved out some cool, you know, horns on a goat or horns on a sheep uh, shapes and cool long bodies. These, um, oh, I know their name and I can't pull it up. Maybe I'll pull it up between these between these breaks. But uh, really cool pictographs that are there. Awesome, awesome spot. In fact, Google Earth might reveal it. Buckhorn Wash pictograph panel. Oh, it doesn't say what they're from, though. But it's pretty well known. And if you drive this pathway, you can go right to it. And so we passed it with Dan, saw some really cool stuff. And I think the thing that stood out the most were a couple of those really narrow canyons that were going to be fun to explore someday. You'd see them off the road, and you're like, oh, I want to go down there. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, when you're on the dirt road, um, there's not a whole lot of places besides a couple of small camping areas, but on the, on the main part of the road, there's not really many places to pull over. No. Um, but we did see that one Canyon that looked really like you could see it automatically, like right there, crisscross and start going deeper. And even though the walls were like super high, you could see that there's the, some depth. There's like, Oh yeah, we got to pull over sometime and hike through that and really explore that. Cause that looks amazing. Oh, right. Looking at it from Google Earth, I can see how far it goes down, and it goes quite a ways, maybe a mile and a half or something, not too far. So it would be really fun to completely go through all of that until it gets to the height, you know, that the original water was starting to carve this uh, shape. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really cool. It looks a lot like, you know, veins, you know, as you'd expect, Mm -hmm. you know, veins Mm -hmm. in a body as they come out. And so this really neat place, uh, we did not know any of these spots. We really just had been there through our life experiences. I come through there, but didn't realize that's where I was. So when we were scouting, I started recognizing things. 
but everything was brand new to us. And so it was an awesome feeling of, okay, what can we do here for a picture? What can we do there for a picture? And then we saw this awesome tree that had been cracked and fallen over and created in itself an arch off of the ground. The one that you climbed up on. Yeah, it was crazy strong, like really big. um, What was it, like a cottonwood maybe? That was Maybe, yeah. And I don't know if lightning hit it and it split it and then it bent over and it kept growing that way because it was like crazy strong. Like I (laughs) climbed up on that thing and it was massive. And Dan got a couple shots and I think you got a couple shots. Oh, yeah, I got some video of it. We looked through photo pills and checked to see when will the sun actually be in position for this, you know, where we can match it up really yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got some promise. I mean, the light going through there and getting a neat um, starburst would be quite a shot, and so that was fun. Well, Dan actually got a starburst from where the position he was at. He kneeled, knelt down. And, so we, I don't think we brought our cameras, did we? We just brought our phones. I left it in the car at that point because I was just scouting. I wasn't going to get yeah. a good shot in the middle of the day, you know, but it's all right. It's cool. Right. But Dan got his his camera out a few times and and got a couple shots and and uh, that's when he actually posted on Instagram. He actually posted that shot of me on top of the tree with the light shining through it. And or was it was I on top? I don't know. Well, he, either way, he got the sun going through the arch of that tree bent over and it actually looked pretty cool already as it was. So I was like, oh man, that's awesome. That's a good potential there. So be a lot of fun. It is, and so we were thinking, let's hurry and get back up to the Wedge Overlook view, that vista for a sunset. That was the main goal. We mm-hmm. went as far in as we could, and we saw places that, man, Milky Way photography would be fantastic from, where it just oh, opens yeah. wide up down this winding creek, and it goes out into the middle of nowhere. You see big rock formations on the right that we could probably light fairly well with a couple of our lights, or maybe three, and then just have that Milky Way out in the distance doing the full panorama and disappearing over the cliff wall. And it's just, I'm looking forward to being out there in March and trying it out, man. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it looks really fun. <laughs> so those rock structures were so tall, it reminded me of like Zion uh, National Park and other places in Moab. And I was just like, this place is unbelievable. Like this is bigger and better than I possibly could have thought um, from just looking at from the, from the map. And we're going to love going back and really exploring it and making it into a regular place for us. I don't think people worldwide would want to come to this spot unless we make some amazing pictures and it's like, wow, this is the unknown canyon of Utah. Then maybe Mm -hmm. they'll come. But right now, it's just a nice little secret, nice little uh, quiet place to go. So I can't wait. And easy parking, easy place for a pit toilet. And so really nice uh, location. So then we went back for the sunset. Up back up to the wedge overlook spot, and that's where things started going awry. I'll let you tell a story. Well, yeah, until a certain point. Um, <laughs> we got out and started taking some panoramas and some other pictures and did a few things, and I was just like, yeah, it's a perfect time to fly the drone. It was a little breezy, but not too bad. My drone is totally capable of handling um, you know, a little bit of wind. Right. And uh, the canyon wind was, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it was going 10 to 15 miles an hour. Not a big deal. And so I got the drone out there and I started flying. So the the problem is I have a habit of using my lower, my smaller battery, my original battery first. And it used to give me about between 15 and 20 minutes, depending on conditions, um, flight time. Well, okay, 15 to 18 minutes, really. Okay. And um, I got so excited by the views, I just took this thing out further. 
and forgot that I had the original battery in there. And its total lifetime was only 11 minutes now. Oh, and so no. after flying for about eight minutes, it was like, I'm going to land now. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. No, well, no, don't land. You're still way far from where I am. And you're down in the canyon and I'm up here. And no, come back, you know. And so it wanted to return to home, but I canceled it. And I thought I was going to turn it around and fly it back towards me. But there was some weird thing where I couldn't see on the little mini map. It looked like all white instead of like different colors. So I could see which direction it was facing. Um their interface is actually really stupid when it comes to uh, the little map because I didn't have cell signal, so I didn't have GPS, so I didn't have um, an actual image. It just had, like, the stupid street view map, you know? So basically so everything's like, white where there's no yeah, so, so it's like I've got a I've got a – everything's, like, uh, this off-white almond color and where my um, – and then it's a yellow line to where the drone is from where I am. Okay. And so it's, like, basically white on white and or yellow on yellow and so i thought i was going towards me and i was actually going like 45 degree angle uh like kind of away from me or like (laughs) in front of me in front of me instead of like towards me and when i realized it was behind this huge i mean huge 500 foot or more like canyon wall uh that's when i lost it i just the drone's gone it's just it's out there somewhere. It was trying to land, and the last point we had, it was going fifty miles an hour, and is eighty five feet above the ground. So it was, it was kind of low, and it was getting lower by the second, and that just was it. Gone. Signal was gone, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I was getting nervous. I was getting nervous four minutes into it, you know, and it's like, oh crap, turn around, turn around, come back, come back, and uh, nope. Oh my and I knew there was a river behind below us, and I knew his terrain was rocky and hard to get to. And I was looking if I land the drone below us, you know, uh, how can I get it? And oh my gosh! And I was freaking out. And it was it kept trying to land itself every like couple seconds, and I was trying to cancel it. And then it was just like it was just too much. It was just so crazy. I was already sick. You so gotta it, listen so it, to this real quick before we go any further. Okay. We, I'm gonna try and play the video of your initial reaction to it that I have for the YouTube okay. video. Let's see if I can get this audio to come through on this mic. So the drone was where when it disappeared? Coming back this way. It's somewhere right over there. You could hear it at all, or you don't? Okay, on the maps, you can see there's some trails there. And it's right by one of those trails, so I'm hoping that I can... Uh, like, we got a hike in recovery? Hopefully we can drive there. We're going mud flats? Drive there. It's out there. Yeah. Um, what was it just low and it lost signal? No, it, the battery was going low and it started to land on me and I couldn't cancel it. I couldn't bring it back to me. So it found a place to land. I, I heard the b- so. battery signal go off. You didn't bring it. You couldn't bring it back. It, it's an older battery and it was at thirty percent. That should be totally enough power to bring it back here. But uh, the wind must have been pushing it hard enough to really make it struggle to come back. So I have a GPS location right here. As you can see, it's not very far from where we are. Because are we H? Yeah, that's where I took off from. So it took off from H, flew around the track, and then that's where it's sitting? 
it should be right there below us. Yeah, that was a fun, <laughs> fun time. It was one of those things where my friend did was... something wrong and I didn't, so I didn't oh have the gosh. same like terrible feeling that you had. That <clears throat> anguish that you were feeling, I just kind of, I don't know, I was distant from it. I didn't mm-hmm. feel as bad as you did, and so uh, I'm sorry. I wasn't commiserating enough with you at the time. No, and that's okay. I mean, we have a GPS coordinate. We know where it is, and uh, so at that point, degree, we at least knew, knew, knew I, roughly where it was last. Yeah, and I know it was in landing mode. The gear was down, and so it was trying to land itself. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's somewhere out there, and I'll safely just waiting for me to come get it. So then we're thinking, okay, uh, how much would it be to get there? And so we're pulling out my iPad and my phone to see what we can figure out the distance. We we got the pin on his tablet, but we can't save out the GPS coordinates. So we're looking at the map and looking at things like, okay, there's two green blobs. Those are trees. Here's another green blob, mm-hmm. and here's a triangle between those. Okay, it's roughly in this space right here. And then I put a pin down on my own iPhone, saw what the coordinate was, took that coordinate over to my iPad, and opened up one of my map apps that has Utah downloaded without any internet. I don't have any worries about it. I can tell it where the coordinate was, look at it on the map, and see basically a topographical map of this area, and then I just drew basically the 0.25 legend, the length that it has in the bottom left where it showed, okay, this length of a line is 0.25 miles. I drew Mm -hmm. that over and over and over again until I made it to the location, roughly going across. Because we're looking at this, and we can see on Google Maps that there's a road that drives out to a certain point, and then when you zoom in with our satellite, because we had a little bit of signal there, we could see that, okay, people park right there, and it looks like this is a trail. So from this trail... If I went and drew lines all the way along the pathway going up and down around this river and following the pathway that it is, how many miles would it be for us to get there? And we saw that it was five, roughly five miles. And so we're thinking Saturday and we're night. Like, well, we could do that. Let's just right? go out tomorrow. We'll do well on Sunday. We'll go find it. And uh, it was a panic mode. It was a panic. We didn't even think about the sunset as much anymore because we were just trying to figure out what our plan was to go get your $2,000 inspired drone. We were thinking about getting it that next day. I was just like, okay, well, what can we do to get here tomorrow? Can we borrow someone's ATV? Can we can we borrow someone's truck? Like, can of we course, even we don't go have... there with an ATV. Right, right. Like, we're just thinking, okay, do we have someone with motorbikes or ATVs or whatever? Can we take this trail and, you know, get there the fastest way possible? And oh, yeah. of course, because the next day I told you I felt even worse. <laughs> right. That, but, but when Sunday morning came around, I'm just like, forget it. There's no way. Like, I'm just not going to make it out there today. I'm so glad you didn't want to do it, too, because it was Super Bowl Sunday. I had some friends coming over. Brennan was going to come over, but we were going to make some, uh, eat some food, have some brats, and enjoy the Super Bowl, and I didn't want to be out there hiking 10 miles. Right, so we were thinking, like, okay, if we get there at 6 a.m., you know, can we get back before 4 for your friends and stuff to show up at your place? And yeah. it's just, like, just the timing of it was just horrible. So it, just, it, just, nuts. it wasn't going to happen. So then we spent a few days looking into options and we could see in Google Earth that this map had a two track space and then it kind of converges really close, less than a mile into one. And so we're thinking motorcycle, motorcycle, motorcycle. But it's crazy. The world of outdoor sports does not rent dirt bikes. And if they do, it's crazy expensive. Well, if they do, it's like only in the spring, and it's like $150 a day. And it's just like... Seriously? $150? Really? So it costs us $300 just to get a couple dirt bikes, and then we have to still figure out a way to get them down there via a truck or something. It's just like... It's just... Yeah. We're going to have to have like an arsenal of recovery vehicles in the future. Yeah, we are. (laughs) 
I mean, because because some of these locations that we that we're starting to enjoy and figure out, you know, they're off the beaten path now. And so eventually I, I do see us getting something like a couple of ATVs or a couple of little dirt bikes or something. I wouldn't mind dirt bikes. I think dirt bikes would be more versatile in the fact that we can go on skinnier, smaller trails because oh, yeah, be they're literally blast. as wide as we are, uh-huh. right? And get and through so, some tough terrain with easier yeah. access. And so we'll talk a little bit about the tough terrain we did run into with the ATV that we ended up renting and specifically about what we did the day of when we went out there to hike right after this break. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, and today we're talking about our Photog misadventure, the misadventure of flying a drone out off a canyon overlook and losing track of it. We're not talking like Brendan went crazy far. He didn't do anything wrong. He no, ended it was like 1,500 just... feet. Oh, yeah, right there. It... I mean, so from where we were standing to where it landed was only like 1,500 feet. <laughs> it just happened so to get disoriented. It just happens to be such traverse terrain between <laughs> us that it was like impossible to just walk straight over to it and pick it up. <laughs> yeah, and you it's get behind far. big, tall cliffs, and so you lose signal. So we knew this mm. area. We came home. We got the map. We looked at Google Earth. We looked at the map. I followed the path, the hiking map, all the way up. I keep saying map, 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 map. I followed the hiking path all the way up on Google Earth and I marked it down and it turned out it was 4.41 miles and so we're ready Mm -hmm. we're thinking okay we got this we can't find anything else Brendan procures an ATV from an awesome guy who's not only willing to let us rent it for a pretty good price he's willing for a nice price actually deliver it to the location for us yeah so he parked it for us at the campsite which was near the trailhead only like half a mile from the trailhead it was fantastic we didn't have to worry about a trailer or nothing we just needed to show up in your car yeah, so he had it there. So we thought, okay, great. We'll jump on this thing. We'll get it loaded up, and we will drive out to this trailhead and see. Because what we what we tried to find out yeah. beforehand was if the trail was ATV authorized, mm-hmm. and if it was doable. From from your research, you were thinking, no, probably not going to work because it looked like the trail got so thin between right. the river at several points. That you were you were guessing that it probably wasn't going to work, and I was thinking let's let's make this happen because I don't want to hike for five miles plus looking for this thing all day. So. Oh no, kidding! And I was thinking, you know, Brendan's right. We could try and get in as far as we can, as long as it's allowed. We can get in as far as we possibly can, and then there's areas that the river is low enough, and we can just go down in the river with the ATV and come out and around some of these more like on the cliff edge, kind of on a on a very mm-hmm. steep hill edge. Look like that might be hard to do unless we go down the river, but we'll be, we'll just do that. We'll just go down the river. So then we get to the location and we drive through with the double wide track. We're totally fine for barely 0.3 of a mile. I mean, we're just we barely get anywhere, barely. Yeah, I mean, we we instantly got stopped by these super tall narrow narrow path with reeds, super yeah. tall reeds on both sides. And we're like, uh, we have to bushwhack it. And just, it's not I just mean, reeds, just too. It was started. thick like trees, little bushes, things that we could not just plow over with the ATV. And we didn't want to do that to the terrain. On top of that, if you stayed on the actual track, he would have to go at such an angle that he'd be tilted. And he'd probably just roll the ATV right down the hill into the water. Yeah. It, it, was, it was obvious at the very outset of this trail that it was just not gonna happen no this isn't passable this is not and so we go all the way back 
and we're thinking, okay, what is this? Is this actually even allowed? And I look at a broken sticker on there and realize, okay, this sticker right here is that it? has most information missing says motorized vehicle access something, and it probably says no. <laughs> probably just, say no because once we got even a half mile into that tra- trail, we realized this is definitely an ATV no zone because right. it's just not – just not even close to being possible. So we turned around and we apologized to the trail, said, sorry, we were wrong. We just were desperate. We were so desperate just to get in there and not have to, you know, ugh, just that miserable part of trying to uh, just get all the way out five miles in, yeah. knowing that we were going to be out there alone. This is an area that no one else hikes all that much. There are cow no, the pies only thing, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, we saw um, some horse tracks and some dog poop from maybe the day before from a rancher maybe but that was uh maybe a day or two before but we didn't see a single soul the entire day the only sign of life yeah and and what i also noticed the trailhead was a map and actually said that there was atv like trails and actually had them highlighted in blue but we had a hard time even figuring out where we were let alone to see where this atv trail that we could possibly take to go up there I mean, we just didn't do enough research, and there's just very limited research online oh. because this is such a remote area. Every search term that I would you know, use would show me some blog post and be like ATV trails in the in the uh, San Rafael Swell, and then it would show me like Moab, and it would show me Escalante. It's like, wait, what the what the? This whole thing yeah, is the like San this, Rafael Swell. I get that, but this is really not enough information. Right. So, so for this particular area, it was just really hard to find that much information on it. So now at this point, I've got to tell this detail, but it's just understand that one, Brendan's crazy drugged up, crazy sick, and the fact that he had planned for an ATV trip and he was very optimistic that the ATV trip would happen. So when we turned back and we had Mm -hmm. to hike it, we realized Brendan doesn't have a hiking bag. And he also doesn't have his, you know, life... What do you call that straw? The life straw? Life straw, yeah. And some other things that you would normally have on a hike like this of survival... And we only had my stuff. Plus, he had his cold wa- weather gear on for riding an ATV, and we had that weight to either leave at the ATV or take with us, but we didn't want to not have it if it got cold. If we had some incident and we were staying out there overnight, we needed to make sure we had it. So we, bragged, we, we dragged along his stuff and my stuff all in one bag. I had no camera gear. There was no need for camera gear. We just wanted to get there and safe. Had enough mm-hmm. food for us to survive and enough water and some Gatorades to really hydrate. And so... We had this kind of heavy bag, not too heavy, but we were just taking turns every mile carrying it. And so you'd have one mile of just kind of a nonchalant walk. It was really easy. And then you'd have the bag. And, oh, man, how did you feel? Because once you got the bag, the terrain Once you get the changed. bag, it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had this. Yeah, it seems like every time we switch the bag off, it's like the terrain gets really <laughs> steep. And, like, what the heck? Oh, my gosh. It was like I planned it. I was like, okay, yeah, every mile from this point uh, we'll switch. But let me do this first mile so that when you get it, it's the up and down terrain switchbacks. And then when I get it, it's nice and flat through nice areas. And then you get it through the switchbacks again. Oh, man, it was nuts. It was brutal to Brendan, totally brutal. But at one point, we stopped to get some food. We were only an hour and 10 minutes in, and we realized we're halfway. We're more than halfway on our hike. This has gone really well. Yeah, I mean, the hiking itself was relatively easy. I mean, it was a really good trail. It was really pr- pretty flat. Um, it was obvious that um, that it was a rancher trail because it was so easily um, 
It was Traversable. worn down, worn down by all the hooves, you know, flat. Yeah, well. there's lots of hooves, lots of cow tracks, lots of cow patties. <laughs> and uh, the only obstacle of the entire hike was cow patties. Oh my gosh, just stepping cow over cow patties every freaking 50 feet. <laughs> so we're in this area like we're in a completely different planet and we're isolated and alone and we're exploring. And I, my spirit is up. I'm just loving this. And we're both enjoying the hike all the way there. We Before oh, yeah. we know it, we hit the cane wash, which is the last area we had to get to. We got to cane wash. And we're going to walk down Cane Wash until we got to our point. And Cane Wash, man, I couldn't tell on Google Earth how high these cliff walls were because that Cane Wash was glorious. It was hiking a beautiful, shadowy, narrow trail through cliff walls and just... I thought at one point we were going to be attacked by natives. I mean, we were out in this area that the natives, the indigenous people were going to come after us. It just felt very vulnerable, very isolated, but very cool. Very Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. I felt like Indiana Jones the whole time, like we were hiking on this, you know, lost trail looking for some treasure and kind of were in some respects. <laughs> yeah, but we very uh, much were. An ancient artifact and, of Photog Adventures. Yeah. And so, <laughs> and because it was a dry wash, um, there was only a little bit of water here and there and some, and some, and mostly ice actually, where the water was, it was frozen over to these giant, uh, just giant flat ice. Uh, I mean, frozen river, I guess, but it yeah, wasn't really the a river. Wash it was just has a puddle, water frozen there. puddle. Yep. Those ice skating rinks every once in a while. Yeah, it was like an ice skating rink at one point. It was so big. <laughs> um, but, you know, the the rocks around there were so cool that I ended up picking up a few of them and putting them in my, in my pocket to bring home to my kids because they love that kind of stuff. And so uh, that was kind of cool. That was neat. I was very optimistic, though. You know, we knew exactly where the drone was. We had a pinpoint location we thought we would just walk right up to it and in a way we did walk right up to the coordinate and we looked around and there was nothing Uh, that was the biggest disappointment i mean at first you get there i'm trying just to record you so that i capture the reaction because i knew it was going to be any second now i was getting frustrated that i didn't have my camera up in time i was like oh no it's going the wrong thing no photo video video video, record go switch the camera out that side okay boom recording I was panicked about not getting the shot because I thought it was going to happen so instantly. We walked right up to the coordinate. Right up to the coordinate. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't exactly pinpoint accurate, but you know, when I when I did go home and look at it later, it was literally like twenty feet away from where we had pinpointed our pinpoint, so we would have seen it. You know, the problem with this terrain is is that it, even on top of the surface where where we thought it had landed. Like, not in the goalie, not in the wash. Um, it had landed above that, which was fairly easy to get to. Luckily, it was yeah. just, we could just step over these big boulder step rocks and get up there really And honestly, quite for easily. a while there, it didn't seem like it was going to be. Going down that wash, everything was such a sheer cliff wall. We were worried that when we got to our actual location, we were going to end up having to climb. Right, right. Or go past and, it and come, you know, hike back to it because right. of the terrain was just so sheer and... Uh, what do you think? 50, 60 feet high? Maybe even oh, 100? Yeah. Maybe even yeah, 100. some points, yeah. So it's just we were worried as the terrain was looking so poor, and then we got to the spot where we were close, and there's like this perfect ramp up, easy way to hike, climb a few boulders like you said, and get up mm-hmm. there to what was a wide open spot of green yeah. and red rock and green trees and kind of brownish Mostly gray. just dirt and some little cactus and some little trees and little yeah. shrubs and little bushes, you know, just – you know, really pretty easy to walk around. It's just the top layer is great. And so we walked right to the coordinate, looked around, didn't see anything, 
And we're just like, ah, oh, geez, okay, where could this thing possibly be then? If it's not here, yep. where is it? Let's you know? start scouring the area, comb through here. And we're pretty optimistic at first. And then optimism gave way to one hour of searching, gave way to maybe we go beyond the coordinate this direction for an hour. And then we went beyond the coordinate over this direction for an hour. Then we went down in the goalie. You checked the goalie area next to it and the wash. We were just trying I mean, everything. We were everywhere. It yeah, was that I mean, weird feeling too of this is a black and white subject. I, I, this object shouldn't be hard to see. And yet I'm looking where it should be and I haven't seen it yet. Have I not seen it yet because I haven't looked at it? Or have I just not seen it yet? Right. Like, have I just looked right over it and didn't recognize it? So I started looking in every single tree, you know. Maybe it hit the tree, turned a little bit, and is just kind of hiding in the tree branches around these pine needles and on that, like, perfect position to just blend in with the branches. And so I was looking everywhere. And it, and I was too. And I we split up and we went different directions. And I went more over here to see maybe it landed early and somehow there's a false coordinate. I mean... It's hard to think that it could be a false coordinate, but at the same time, the canyon walls could um, interrupt and and you know bounce signals around. I don't know. I know it know. messes up GPS signals, but we were both getting really solid GPS signal when we were there, and so we know That's that true. geostationary orbiting satellites handle GPS signals, and so I, I think we've proven that unless the GPS in your drone is bad that it's not something that hard to keep track of in this area because right. of enough open view of the sky. Yeah, so what I'm what I'm wondering is if the battery got low enough that it was still hmm. flying a certain direction and so, you know, because I was because I was sick that week, I didn't do enough research as I should have done to try to really figure out the angle that this thing was flying. So if we didn't, you know, cuz I was just assuming this is a problem Part of the problem is I was assuming that I knew exactly where it was. And when we went right to where it was and it wasn't there, I didn't really have like a plan B to think, okay, what if it's not here? And if it's still traveling in this direction at this speed and it's still this high, how far is it going to go this direction still? I didn't realize that it hadn't, when it sent that coordinate, that it was still in the air moving. That's what I didn't realize. And so... um it was really dumb on my part to assume that we we basically wasted a whole day, even though we got some really awesome, intense exploring in that canyon mm-hmm. and even around the area of the crash site. Um, <laughs> and I got to share was, with you guys the show notes of these pictures where you can see where I have been tracking it with my tracks and Gaia GPS. And so I have exact spots where I've hiked around so that I can verify, okay, I haven't checked there yet or here yet. And at the point of 3.40 p.m., I've been everywhere. I looked at it and I saw, okay, maybe there's these areas that I can still travel. And then you can see another picture at 4 p.m. where it's just like, okay, you can tell that I really went through crisscrossed areas that hadn't been visited, big open swaths of land that hadn't been visited. And even just before this 341, a lot of this area was wide open in the middle. And so I did a little bit of a winding path all the way throughout it just to make sure that I have walked literally all around our coordinate. And so with this picture, you can see on our show notes you can see how we really covered it and then brendan is about to talk about what he discovered coming back to the coordinates and information from his drone that kind of gives us an opportunity in an area looking at my gps uh, map where we weren't and potentially where it is yeah so after i got home and i did some more um i so on the dji software it actually records the entire path 
which I didn't realize either. I should have realized that earlier on before I even left to go back out there. Oh, yeah. No but kidding. I replayed it. I got some more information that it was still moving at 50 miles an hour. So it was flying forward at 50 miles so an hour. So that last coordinate where we put our pin was actually the point when it was up a certain height and flying 50 miles it was an hour? At 80, yeah, it was 80 feet above the ground still as far as it's, well, ooh. Wait, what? It wasn't negative. So when I launched it, when I launched the oh, drone, no. it was at elevation zero, right? If that calls it zero and it just called itself 80 feet from zero, that means it's Because really when I went high. into the canyon before, it went into the negative numbers from the flight path. You, so since this is technically below, yeah, it could have been much higher than what we thought. Ooh, which puts it higher on the hill, which we didn't look from that point. Right, we thought so it was some, landing there. I did some there. rough calculating. I did some rough calculating and figured, okay, if it's it was descending at three miles per hour, roughly, like two and a half to three miles per hour, is descending to land. It was still moving forward at fifty miles an hour, but it was still eighty feet above the ground. But that's that's eighty feet above where I launched it from so putting it way higher above the canyon floor. Yeah. Like, so if it's a thousand feet, so if it traveled about a thousand feet forward, um, according to my calculations from where it could actually have landed, then that puts it much higher up on that, um, canyon, that canyon wall. And it probably is stuck behind some boulders. Some are not, not safely landed where we assumed it was going to be in the yeah. ground, but it's probably higher up from the map than where we were looking. Okay, this is no longer so a, a podcast. Bunch of boulders. I'm just thinking about it. I'm just thinking about, oh, no. Because uh, we got yeah, this high so. cliff wall that we're talking, unless we go up the goalie where it rises slowly to a certain height, as I'm looking at Google Earth, I can see how we might be able to get to this point and then work our way across the edge and the ledge of this rock and get to it. But, you know, that looks very unsafe. If it's up there, we're we're done for. Um, it's not. Gonna be yeah, I don't think get. it's. I don't think it's that high because it was coming down pretty fast. But I think Hopefully that it tumbled too. It's so the the problem is we've got this huge rock wall, right? And then as that rock wall broke away over time, it created like these big boulders and this kind of sandy hill side. Yeah. And rubble basically, and so slippery. I shale. think it's somewhere between the ground we were searching. I think it's somewhere between that and the and the canyon wall itself, which is basically in that big hillside rubble pile. You know. I'm going to so, share on the Google on the uh, show notes, guys, at uh, photogadventures.com forward slash EP69. You're going to see this Google Earth image with the basic idea of where it is up this wall. And you can see an exaggerated elevation map of this wall, but it just gives you a sense of how high it really is. And, yeah, uh, we are going to have some work cut out for us. Yeah, I think um – you know, one of my thoughts was when we when we didn't see it and we came back that day, and one of my thoughts was, okay, what if it crashed like in the canyon somewhere and someone actually saw it? Because we know that people do travel there. We do know those ranchers that go through that path all the time, um, at least once a week, because we noticed that there's definitely tracks there from horses and stuff. So right, um, and we even saw ATV tracks uh, in the actual wash, and so we're thinking, okay, ATVs can get here but they didn't obviously come from the direction we came they came from a different direction so we were thinking okay can we get an atv to come back if someone didn't find it you know so i called a couple days ago and i got the um the price blm guy on the phone he said no no one no one reported it so he says but you know it's kind of funny it reminds me of a guy who lost his ring out there his wedding ring 
And uh, if someone would call report, he's like, it's like, yeah, good luck. <laughs> you know, so it's like, uh. So did the guy okay. find his wedding ring? No. Oh, okay. He was just like laughing at him. He's like, there's some guy from California. He's like, I lost my wedding ring out there. And he's like, yeah, good luck. So in the like, area that we're no going, maybe find we could it. find it. That'd be awesome. Of course, with all the rain. Yeah, and everything, well, I don't know where this. I don't know where this guy was. The, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the swell is the, the area is so big it could be anywhere. So but. Brennan kind of said it quickly, and you might not have caught it. But while we're on this path, the whole way out, we're looking, thinking, okay, yeah, only horses, only horses. We can tell every time we hit like a offshoot wash, we'd looked and see, has anyone driven on this? Is there a pathway that we can drive into at least this point? It's like no, mm. no. When we get our cane wash, the actual wash we're trying to get to, and we're hiking through it. We're starting to see tracks, actual ATV Can-Am tracks, and it's Mm -hmm. on the path that we're going, and we're both kicking ourselves. Oh, my gosh. You serious? We're actually got a chance of going down this pathway with an ATV. Either these guys did it illegitimately and against the rules or legitimately. And so before this podcast started, I went down the cane wash in Google Earth, and I watched, you know, as I curled around the winding river, the wash here, I kept going and going and going to a certain point, and obvious, obvious tracks of an ATV showed up. And you can see precisely where they climb in to the wash. You can see, okay, the wash continues out here. It gets flat, and then there's just obvious ATV road that enters the wash, and that's where it gets lost. And so in all of our research, as we look into the wash, you had to go eight miles down south from where we needed to be to start seeing signs of people driving in there from Google Earth. From actually on site, we could see the tracks that we couldn't see on Google Earth and actually find out that, oh my gosh, there's something here, there's a chance. So knowing there's a chance, I did the full search, found this, and I've drawn a map from the ATV road all the way to the main road. So if we had driven, if we had driven four miles south from where we parked Brendan's Mercedes and go down to this point and had the ATV dropped there, dropped off there by that guy, we could have ridden that ATV 8.7 miles in to the wash where we were hiking. And so when we're talking about going back and checking again, we don't have to do, we have have zero hiking to do until we get there. Hiking will only be searching. Because I want to show you guys this picture on the notes where it shows that, okay, we've arrived and now I've done all this hiking and it's at eight point something miles of hiked. And it was only 4.4 miles to get in there. And so when we were on location, we hiked three and a half miles alone just scouring the hills. And it right. was nuts. And so we were basically using up all of our energy for our exit hike right there on the spot. And it came to the point where we're thinking, we just got to get out of here before we're just exhausted. And my legs, mm-hmm. I think one mile into the return hike, my legs are like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done hiking. Aren't you done? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, nine miles is not where I can be done. I still have many miles to go, as Robert Frost says, and many miles to go before I sleep. And so I actually ended up mapping all the way out of there, and it was 13 miles of hiking that Brendan and I did that day. 13 miles. And I haven't done a 13-mile hike um, since I was a teenager. <laughs> not in one day. A really day. young teenager. Oh, man. And I'm surprised so my that body we did was it. not prepared for that. No. I don't know how we did it, honestly, because we have no reason to have been able to do it. I'm out of shape like crazy. We've hiked a lot with our photography, but not that long. Never that long. Not like long. that, no. That was the most intense hiking I've done. Even though the terrain-wise was relatively yeah. flat and easy, but I don't think I've walked that much in just years, if not decades, in a single day. Um, we're on our way, yeah, man. Yeah, that was rough. Our New Year's goals. New Year's goals of getting more in shape, doing photography. We're on our way. Just got to lose our drone out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Go to a cliff edge, fly your drone off somewhere, and find the coordinate, and we'll just keep playing this game of how do we get to it. <laughs> It'll be a blast. So I'm excited to go back and get the drone this time. Um, I really don't want to be out there more than one more time. I mean, I don't want to go. I don't even want to go out there one more time. But I Barely. really want my drone back. <laughs> so, so what are you thinking? We do when we go there. There's some options that we can try and find. Because I mean, going up that hill, as we know, we went up the hill as far as we really felt we needed to. All of mm-hmm. that is tons of boulders, and just behind any boulder could be the actual drone. How are we going to really scour this area? Yeah, I think we're really just going to have to do it like systematically and really f- try to figure out. Um, as precisely as we can, the direction it was flying, I can do a little bit more uh, math and see, um, kind of pinpoint more of where it could be. Um, yeah, because it could do. only be it could only be two to three hundred feet away from where we, you know, had had a last signal, and if it was flying at fifty miles an hour, but it was landing, you know, once I lost control, it could have just slowly come to a stop and just continued to land itself. And it could have landed itself right behind one of those boulders that we just didn't look behind. So that's very, very um, possible. And you guys are going to so. see in this picture, one of these pictures I'm going to put out there, and I'll call it the new search area picture. You'll see all the blue lines of what I've already walked, and then you'll see an orange line kind of going straight up the hill. Based on what Brennan showed me in a picture of the angle, the triangle that was showing what direction it was heading, I drew this line, but I'm think- we're thinking I'm a little off. So basically, Yeah, this- I think the line needs to come more southerly. Yeah, come down more at a southern angle. It's kind of uh, right now it's pointing straight up to like 10 p.m. It should be pointing at like 9 p.m. And then it will go right across this area. Yeah. But you'll see this white oval that I put over it basically as like an area of, you know, error, error, you know, percentage of error given north and south. This is where it could be. And you're going to notice that of all the areas that we walked, we only have two trails through here. And really one of them goes all the way through on the way yeah. out to another spot. So we were looking as we walked, but not staying there for 10, 15 minutes looking around. We were just kind of looking as we went back. And so And I can see some big boulders right below where you were walking mm-hmm. and then and then right above. And I have a feeling it's probably in the, in that track where you walked right through that area. I have a feeling it's either right below it or right above it. Honestly, I think we, we go, back go back with Dan and get anyone else who's willing to come with us. And we go out to this point. Actually, we only have one more spot in the Can-Am. We'll just do one more spot. Go to this point mm. and make this area where it's white look blue. Just cover it with blue. And if right. we do that, we'll find the drone. Yeah, I think so too. Because, the, the, I mean, the, the feeling that I have now is that probably somebody did not find it. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's in an area where I'm pretty sure <laughs> nobody ever goes. People tried to find it and couldn't find it, so I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it wasn't like hanging from some tree and some ranch was like, hey, what's that thing? That you looks know? awesome. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that didn't happen, even though that was one of the scenarios that went through my mind. <laughs> now that I'm looking at the data again and seeing the new map, I'm like, okay, yeah, most likely it's 99% sure that nobody else has found it. It's out there still waiting for us, so we just need to go back and get it. So that's going to be an adventure that we'll talk about in a later podcast. We're going to end this podcast after this break and do gear time and tip of the week and talk about something that I learned the hard way with sunset photography. Hey, welcome back to the podcast, guys. Today on gear time, I want to talk about a couple things that I did some research on. Um, one was called the tracker. If you don't know if you guys have heard of that, it's a, it's a Wi-Fi Tab, tab you can put on stuff to track it. Um, I've often thought about putting this in my children or the backpacks. 
Um, is it kind of like those in the city. tiles? Yeah, yeah. The other option is tile, um, and it's a little plastic tile that has, I think, RFID or um, maybe even Bluetooth technology that kind of pings this thing. So um, I did some research on this because I thought, how much, how could I have found this thing? Because the battery is obviously dead on the drone. I couldn't ping it anymore. I couldn't see exactly where it was. All I have is the last coordinate was flying this direction. If I would have had something like a tile on the drone itself, then I could literally hone in right on to where it was, right? The problem with these things, these devices, is they have a very, um, they only have a battery inside that lasts a certain amount of time. And so I think you have to keep buying these things um, to keep them fresh, basically. But I don't think they're very expensive to begin with. So I'm going to do, um, probably going to be doing some purchasing. When I go out to an area like this, I will attach one of these devices um, <laughs> to the drone so that if this happens again, I can go right to it instead of guessing where it is. I will know exactly right. where it is. Um, so, you know, you guys can look those up. Those are pretty cool devices. They come in really good handy. People put them on their keychains if they're constantly losing their keys. Or one, some people put them in their wallet. Um, some people put them in their kid's backpack and said, in, in case their kid runs off and does something weird and, or gets abducted, they can actually track them down. So there's all kinds of good, <laughs> good funny, uses for these yeah, things. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's not funny, but, uh, but if you had one, you're, you know, it's one of those things that you, you wish you had used it. Um, Always after my the wife. Fact. Yeah, exactly. My wife bought me some of the tiles and I never actually set them up and I'm sure the batteries are dead now. Oh. And so this is a couple of years ago. She bought them. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I never actually used it. So then I'm wishing that I had used it and got familiar with it and, and attached it to the drone so I could um, actually retrieve it if it did get lost. So um, it's one of those scenarios now where it's like, wish I had used it. Um, now, you know, it's just like losing your SD card. You know, it's one of those things where it's like you need to write down your name and address on this thing so it's easy for people to get it back to you, you know. Oh, and yeah. uh, same with the drone. I could easily print out a label saying this drone belongs to me. Please call me if you find it. So, um, of course, you never intend on losing your drone like that because it has return to home functions and stuff like that. But in scenarios like this, I really wish I had one and used it now. So um, you guys can look those up. These are cool little devices. We'll put a couple links up there um, for the most popular yeah, ones, which are Tile and Tracker. And um, you guys can check those out and see if you guys could use those. They're great to put in your camera bags and stuff like that. So if someone happens to, you know, run off with your camera bag, you can track it down and and stuff like that. So, of course, our cell phones have these things built into them. But this is a cool way to extend that functionality and get it put into other things. So, yeah. Right on. We definitely could have used that a few weeks ago. I wish we had listened to our own podcast from the future somehow. If only future Dwight yeah. would have faxed us an information about warning. Yeah, I know. I just didn't come through on that. Dwight letterhead. So tip yeah. of the week is not a tip that you guys have never heard. It is a tip that you've all heard, but you need to be aware of stupidity in your heart, in your mind, in your like motivation. You're out here in this location, and you're taking a shot above over the overlook of the Wedge Canyon. It's just beautiful. And you're thinking, you know what? The shadow are hitting these walls already. The sun's going down behind those clouds. I mean, everything's in shadow. I don't have a shot already because, you know, I didn't get it out. We were worried about the drone. The drone was causing us to focus all of our time and attention. I had gone on zero sleep again, like a classic photog adventure. I started with zero sleep. And so here I was thinking, you know what, guys? 
this isn't going to work out. Look at those clouds. They're so thick. The sun's almost gone behind them. It's completely covered all the way to the horizon. Nothing interesting is going to happen. Brendan's like, I don't know. Let's see. I mean, those light, if those clouds over there light up, we'll be pretty in good shape. I don't, and I'm like, Brendan, those clouds aren't going to light up. That's not going to happen. And Dan's starting to lean my way too of like, I'm hungry. I'm tired. Let's go get some food. It's just not going to happen either. <sighs> <laughs> then I was slapped in the face with Brendan's only success of that night of being right and by the fact that, you know, not only were you slapped in the face, but it just stayed and lingered and lingered and had an amazing sky. So apparently when it got to the horizon and below the horizon, those clouds that were off in the distance blocking the sun set wasn't blocking the sunlight from hitting all the clouds in the sky. And the clouds just moved. They just picked up speed and got out of the way. And so 20, 30 minutes later, we're already on the road about, you know, probably, what, 200 yards down the road. We weren't that far. And I look over and go, oh, no, sorry, Brendan. Sorry, man, I was wrong. Yeah, that wasn't such a punch in the slap in the face as much as a punch in the gut because uh, <laughs> it was really intense, red, awesome, sunset. very good, very great afterglow was happening all along that backside, and it was so bright and vibrant going up above our heads, it would have lit the canyon. It would have lit the canyon for us just enough, and it would have been fantastic. Had we been in position, we could have caught it, but then we were already two hundred yards away. Getting back, we were going to miss it. So we're like, ah, oh, man. Dang it. We just kept going, and five minutes later, it was still pretty bright. Ten minutes later, it was just about over and over on that side, and I was flat out wrong. Brendan got out with his car. Here's a picture we'll put on the show notes. Send that to me right now in text so I can put those in the show notes because you'll see how red it was at the source of the sunset, and it's just, just such a darn mistake of I have a half an hour. Just wait a half an hour and see what happens. Don't leave. Don't leave. You're hungry. You've been hiking all day. You're thinking about a drone that you lost. Don't leave. Don't leave. Because, you know, that half an hour wouldn't have changed much for our life. We still made it back home after having dinner and having had a chance to go and watch Thor Ragnarok one more time because this show was awesome and Dan hadn't seen it yet somehow. I don't know what it was. What's your problem, Dan? Why don't you watch that movie already? It's such an awesome movie. (laughs) And so we had everything we got to do that night planned, and we still got to do it. And half an hour wouldn't have killed us, and we could have gotten a great shot. So don't Mm. be me. Don't be Aaron King. And stay till the afterglow. Stay for the afterglow, bro. Is that another shirt? Stay for the afterglow. I don't know why bro makes it a good shirt. I don't say bro in my normal, you know, communication yeah. i use bro all the time on here like i'm so cool on the podcast <laughs> so thank you guys so much we really appreciate if you go and go to your stitcher or google or even itunes and give us a review if you like the podcast give us some words there if you go to photogadventures.com you can find the show notes always in the right sidebar we have all the podcasts there at any page of any part of the site but you can find it with photogadventures.com forward slash ep number of the episode you can find the show notes there Thanks for following along. Patrons, we bow before thee. You guys are the thank founders. Thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you, thank you. Oh, big time thank you. The founders of Photog Adventures are keeping us going. No, we're not going to waste your money on another drone because apparently we're not responsible enough to have a drone. We'll have to spend money that we earn doing workshops <laughs> with that. But uh, you guys have been fantastic. We have a little biz- little bank card that has a, little, a couple hundred, few hundred dollars in there all the time for us to put for the gas and pay for Dan's food to come out with us and go do the Photog Adventures. And so it's just, 
it's just so amazing and fantastic. We really appreciate you guys supporting us, supporting everything that we're doing. If you guys are interested in more content, just be patient with us because Brendan and I are only weeks away from having some actual um, tutorials up there for you guys, patrons only, and some other things that are going to make this a lot more fun. We just need to get through some of our busier schedule right now, and then we are set. And no more being sick, Brendan. We're done with being sick this year, okay? I'm done with being sick, yeah. I want to give a shout-out to the patrons, too, just to let them know that, you know, just to, uh, to expound what Aaron was saying, you literally um, give us enough resources to go out there and do a couple adventures on our own without, you know, dragging our wives or, you know, more credit burdening card them by taking – debt out of our own pockets to go and do these things so you literally help us create the content this trip was literally funded by patreon by patrons on patreon and so here is the podcast that is completely done uh based on patreon uh funds so that was awesome and we keep can keep doing that because you guys are awesome and supporting us that's we really appreciate it and that helps us to build more content to do more podcasts so thank you thank you guys so much as soon as we go back out there and get that drone i'll finish that youtube video and share with you guys i'll I'll, I'll bump it ahead in the queue i have plenty in the queue right now and i'll bump it ahead because it's a great story you gotta see another photog misadventure yep so thanks guys have a good week see you later guys have a good one